Fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back in into the program. It is a Wednesday, the middle of the week, your favorite time of the entire day. We finally arrived. We are here. We are here. We are here. What was that? That Dr. Seuss, we are here, we are here, we are here. Yeah, we are the people screaming loud and proud. That's what we do on this program. So welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death and appreciate you very, very much. Your Millennial General reporting for duty for yet another day of broadcasting excellence at least we strive for that i don't know if we quite hit it every day but we do our darndest (laughs) bottom of the hour great guest for you lined up today peter navarro former trump advisor author of the new book taking back at trump's america yeah this is the guy that recently got arrested that the uh, that the washington dc the elites the establishment they're going after him as best as they can just about as badly as they are donald trump himself and we talked to peter navarro himself on the program today so we'll do that at the bottom of the hour so look forward to that one. A lot to get to today. I am feeling chipper, ready to rock and roll, because maybe, just maybe, we have a breakthrough with the Democrats. I, I know. I know. Now, not necessarily the Democrat leadership, obviously. They're the nuts ones. Not necessarily elected officials under the big D on that side of the aisle, but maybe Democrat voters. Maybe we're starting to realize what's going on in the world. Are we coming to it? I am your political therapist, so let's therify the other side, shall we? We'll talk about that here in just a second. Programming note for you. If you listen to the radio, we love you to death. We're getting more stations on and more announcements on that coming soon. We are on TV as well. We have our podcast, which some new people found the podcast, I think, because we jumped up near almost like a thousand downloads more than what we usually do yesterday alone with some new people. So if you're listening to the podcast and you found us and you subscribe to us on any of the favorite podcasting sites, thank you. We love you to death. Holy cow, it's amazing to see you guys jump on board with us here. Social media streaming. As you know, we are partners with OpsLens, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com, which their website and their app and their social media on all their platforms. OpsLens has started streaming on Getter now as well. So if you have the Getter, I got the Getter. You need to get the Getter as well so we can all get together and get the Getter. And you can follow me at Who's Your Reason. You can also follow them at OpsLens. And we have our live stream on there. Also, because I found out ways to stream in multiple sources, we're also streaming to thenextgenusa.com, and you can see our live video feed there on live shows, and we're starting to stream again on our Twitch TV channel and our YouTube channel, all at Who's Your Reason, or The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on both Twitch and on YouTube. So, boom, we're literally all over the interweb. There's no reason for you not to find the show, and of course, all our great radio listeners as well. All right, let's get into what's trending today. Let's therify the other side. Have they come to the realization that they're a bunch of loons? I, that's a win. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. I know, but let's go ahead and try it out. There's a few different headlines here that I want to read you for just a second to see on whether they've actually won and realized that they've lost and realized that their policies are bad or 
have they not quite grasped the hint? We said a couple of days ago that they have the lower IQ level of the other, you know, of a child where they haven't quite learned the lesson. Actually, most children, once they learn the lesson, they do something bad, they figure it out, learn it, and then don't repeat it. They haven't quite figured that out yet. So here's question number one. According to CNBC, the new state of New York itself is suing Donald Trump for widespread fraud claims and are seeking at least $250 million in penalties. <laughs> do you think that they've learned their lesson on just throwing random lawsuits out against Donald Trump and expecting to win? Did they Did they do that one? No. No. Not quite. Not quite. All right. Story number two. Have they learned their lesson here? According to CNN.com. Yeah, we're going down into the depths here of the sewer, going to these mainstream headlines. Federal Reserve goes big again with third straight three-quarter point rate hike as they raise interest rates in an effort to battle inflation in the nation. Have they learned their lesson after the, what, last three, four, five months of raising interest rates trying to battle the inflation? Have they learned their lesson that maybe raising interest rates is not the best way to lower inflation? Have they learned it yet? No, 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 not yet. Not yet. Almost, though. No. We'll count that one as a loser as well. You would think, man. After that, hey, this is the third time we're going to raise interest rates. Let's just raise interest rates so high that no one can afford anything, and then they won't buy anything, and then the inflation will go down. Because <laughs> that'll somehow make all the difference. Has nothing to do with government spending. Has nothing to do with it randomly printing off cash. It only has to do with people buying too much crap. So let's just price them out of the market so that way they can't do that. Here's another one for you. It's a fun game, isn't it? I, what are we going to win? We're going to win the knowledge of understanding the Democrats have lost their cotton-picking minds. Number three from FoxNews.com. Fauci admits that he knew that his draconian lockdowns would have, quote, collateral negative consequences on school children. Now, what do they say when you have an addiction that the first step is admitting that you have a problem? So could we maybe give him a stretch here? Maybe. All right. However, according to the report, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease director, Dr. Fauci, admitted today that he knew the draconian COVID-19 policies he pushed would lead to collateral negative consequences for the economy and for school children. However, he said during the three-day convention that it was worth it. In one of the segments, the doctor spoke about his guidance in instituting the draconian pandemic guidance, knowing full well there would be collateral damage. And yet, when you have a divisiveness in society where every time you say something, you have X number of people with social media looking to attack it, that adds to the under understandable confusion when you're dealing with an evolving outbreak. And he says that it's not his fault of the draconian lockdowns, but it's just social media. Of course, when you make recommendations, if the primary goal when you're dealing with a situation where the hospitals are being overrun in New York, intensive care units are being put in hallways, you have to do something that's rather draconian. Meaning we know that it was going to lock you down and destroy the economy. We know it was going to harm children. We know that it was going to cause mental health illness. We know that it was going to cause depression. We knew that it was going to cause crime to go up because we knew that locking people down and telling them that you're non-essential, we knew that was going to do things, but we don't care. So he admitted it, but then he went on to defend it and said, well, that's just the way that things had to operate anyways. So we'll give him another knockdown. Democrats are 0 for 3 right now and learning their lesson. However, there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe, just maybe. A piece out of the New York Times has come out today showing that Democrats are finally starting to recognize maybe, just maybe. Now, this is surprising to me because, again, this is coming out of the New York Times. They're saying that they admit 
and recognize and realize the issues on why the Hispanic voters are beginning to leave the Democrat Party. And that, to me, is a major victory. So let's go ahead. This is according to David Leonhardt. Uh, good morning, Democrats. Uh, good, oh, here's the headline. Good morning, period, apparently. Democrats lost ground with Hispanic voters in 2020, and it doesn't seem to have been a blip. Here's what he goes on to say. In Barack Obama's 2012 re-election campaign, he won the Hispanic vote over Mitt Romney by 40 percentage points, about a 70 to 30 ratio, according to The Catalyst, a political research firm. Four years later, Hillary Clinton did even better, beating Donald Trump by 42 points among Hispanic voters. I mean, it's not surprising after you went out and said that he was a crazy racist and that he thinks that all people coming across the border are a bunch of rapists and murderers, when that's not what he said, but that's what they tried to claim, and they literally just said what it, They didn't even play the quotes. They just said, yeah, Donald Trump's a racist. However, they admit the economy became stronger during the Trump presidency than it had been during Obama's. The Democrat Party moved further to the left than it had under Obama. Trump turned on to the macho appeal, especially to many Hispanic men, and some Hispanic voters became frustrated with the long COVID shutdowns. Whatever the full explanation, Hispanic voters have moved to the right over the past several years. As a group, they still prefer Democrats, but the margins have narrowed significantly. As in 2020, Joe Biden won the group by only 26 percentage points, and this year's midterms, the Democrats lead by the nearly identical to Biden's 2020 margin, according to the latest New York Times poll. I don't take much into polls. You know that. We don't take much into polls. We just don't care about polls because polls are very skewed. They're very misleading. They're lying half the time as well. However, coming from a left-wing source and seeing the change either means that they're creating false hope for the Republicans to do a shutdown and be like, oh, you guys screwed it up again and we won, or they're really losing ground here. Now, I find this at an interesting time that they're coming out with these polls and this admittance during the time that they're desperate to demonize Governor Greg Abbott out of Texas and Arizona and Governor Ron DeSantis out of Florida by shipping illegal immigrants up to uh, different areas of the country that are predominantly run by white, rich Democrats who don't like migrants coming into their area and then complaining that we're the racists that are shipping them off instead of giving them the American dream right there at the border when the system has completely failed. I find that interesting. So they're trying to take hold of the narrative again because when you start to lose grip of the narrative, what happens? If you're in a relationship with your significant other and it's not going well, what do you do? You tend to cling on a little bit tighter. You're scared that they're going to leave. You're going to cling on a little bit more. You're going to be a little bit more controlling, just a little bit more abusive, just a little bit more overwhelming and overbearing because you're scared of losing. And when that happens, then just like holding that sand in your hand, the sand begins to slip to the cracks of your fingers because you're holding on just way too tight and you end up uh, self-imploding and not doing too well. That's what I think is going on with the Democrats. They're desperate to hold on to the narrative again because we've turned things around on them that they weren't expecting. I mean, you got to remember, they were shipping migrants across the country for decades, and now all of a sudden Republicans are doing it, and now we're the evil racist bigots uh, because they don't want them in their communities for whatever reason. And now they're saying that Republicans haven't necessarily won over many Hispanic voters. However, they're moving away from Democrats. According to the poll, they asked the question, by which party's candidate are you more likely to vote for in this election for Congress? It's a nationwide poll, and they show, as of the New York Times right now, 46% say they support, this is everybody, all races, everybody that they try to include here, 46 to 44 Democrat over Republican. Only a two-point margin by a New York Times poll. Kind of interesting. 
Now, the Hispanic vote's the most interesting, 56 to 32, with Hispanics getting 56% of the vote. Now, that's a major difference, especially with the fact that Barack Obama won a 70-30 majority there. Hillary Clinton won by even further by 42 points with 72% of the vote, and now they're down to 56. Now, 32 still lingering for the Republicans, but there's a wide margin now of undecideds that have at least left the party. I see that as opportunity for Republicans and conservatives to be like, hey, there's an opportunity to win these people over. What are Democrats doing wrong that we can expose and show and bring them away from the servitude that Democrats have over the identity politics and the class warfare that they like to play? So they ask them on the issues. And the biggest issues, according to them, are a stronger economy under Republicans and Donald Trump. I would go further and say that they realize Donald Trump isn't the evil racist that they tried to claim. But I think that's a big win. They're admitting it on their own networks. We played this many times before. The fact that we are seeing gas prices impact people's pocketbooks so much right now, would that change how you're considering voting for the next election, whether it's congressional later this year or presidential a couple of years down the road? Definitely. Definitely. I just know that one administration had cheaper gas and this administration has more expensive gas. <laughs> Clear and simple. The economy's better. Things were cheaper. Things were better. And I want to go with that guy. Can we get that guy back? Can we get that party back, please? We need some common sense back in this place. At the same time, the Hispanic population that likes to, you know, work and hustle and do things, they weren't able to do so during the COVID lockdowns. And they were pretty upset as the Democrats continue to defend those, even though, according to Joe Biden, it's over. Are they admitting it? And are they recognizing their flaws? And can they clean it up or... Is the Democrat Party too far gone? We'll do that when we come back here on a Wednesday here on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. It is a midweek celebration. we got a lot to talk about here. Election time is here, which means we're focusing a lot of attention on elections, but not just what the candidates are doing on the campaign trail, how bad Democrats are in Washington, D.C., how bad the socialist movement is. We get all that. We don't have to regurgitate it. We do a lot. We kind of break it down. But for those that may be relatively new to this program, as I was looking at some of the numbers on social media during the break and sharing it out on all the pages and doing everything, and uh, not to for those that don't do social media, good for you. I applaud you for that. But that's how you get a lot of content out there. That's how you spread the word and talk to a lot of individuals. Now that OpsLens is now sharing it onto the Getter page, a lot of people watching on Getter as well. So you may be new followers or listen, uh, listeners to the program. And if so, welcome. Uh, even for radio listeners or TV listeners or podcast listeners, if you don't know anything about this show, then welcome. And let me quickly break this show down for you. This show is one of a millennial-esque type. I am a millennial, and we try to do things from the millennial perspective. We try to bring the millennials back to common sense and reason. We apologize for the ones that started the Tide Pod Challenge. We apologize for the ones that were the condom snorting challenge or the one we talked about yesterday, which was the Let's Cook Chicken in NyQuil challenge, and apparently you think that that's going to be a great thing to put on social media. We're bringing common sense back, and we're addressing the issues from the younger generation who's about ready to take hold of the country because the older generation is moving out and we're slowly but surely moving in. And just because we're in our 30s and in the millennial generation does not mean that we're all the crazy AOC types. I'm sorry, that's just that's not us. I promise you that is not us. 
So that's what we do on this program. We try to do it in somewhat of a witty and sarcastic way. So I'm a, if I'm overly sarcastic, I do not apologize. You're just going to have to get used to it on this show. <laughs> I mean, that's just what we do. So the Democrats, are they learning their lesson? We have the raising of interest rates again. We have the suing of Donald Trump, because why the hell not? We have Fauci buckling down and defending what he realized was draconian for his policies, but recognizing that he actually willingly did that knew that it was going to screw up the country but by golly it was worth it because the virus was so terribly bad for some reason and yet because of those decisions the minorities which are the base of the democrat party outside of the fringe white like just offended by everything crowd that's on the other side that doesn't quite recognize what bathroom they're allowed to use outside of that crowd the rest of the democrat party is beginning to get divided and walk away from the party because they're tired of the party they're frustrated with the party and they think the party has gone too far they recognize it who's switching according to the new york times they try to figure out which hispanic voters are moving right by creating a subgroup of poll respondents and here's what they found Made up of 17% of all Hispanic voters, more were registered as Democrats than Republicans despite their voting intentions this year. They were even more heavily skewed to the working class. By a wide margin, people in the subgroup said the Democrat Party had moved too far to the left on social issues. By an even wider margin, they say the economic issues like jobs, taxes, and the cost of living would influence their 2022 voting more than social issues like guns, abortion, and democracy. Well, that's a stupid question because democracy is not the thing here in the country. We're more of a constitutional republic. But the economy, you know, people working, people wanting to create wealth, people coming here to create a better life for themselves, to have the streets paved with gold and the opportunity for everybody. They're the ones that shockingly are focused on jobs, taxes and cost of living. Let me tell you, if that's going to be your deciding factor, then you're going to vote Republican and Republicans This is, I'm screaming it at the top of my lungs to you right now. If you are any type of Republican consultant, campaign manager, anybody that focuses on issues at all or policymaker, those are the issues that you focus on. We're behind the eight ball on the abortion issue. And obviously that kind of got shoved back in our face, unfortunately, over the last few months. The gun issue is going to take care of itself because when something happens and people end up just going out of their way to try and defend themselves and you see gun sales shoot up like we still do with record number of applications every single month, we need to focus on the jobs, on the taxes, and the cost of living. All three of those major failures from the Biden administration and Democrats and should be nothing but net for us if we actually focus our attentions on that. Peter Navarro, former Trump advisor, right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason for a midweek celebration. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back to The Voice of Reason. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always great to have you along today, especially for the midweek celebration. Don't waste any time as we have a lot to get to today and our great guest that we have on the line as I'm really excited to have this guy on. What's trending today? And he is the former assistant to the President of the United States, Director and Trade and Manufacturing Policy, also the National Defense Production Act Policy Coordinator under the Trump administration, plus with his new book as well, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back. Excited to have back on the program, Mr. Peter Navarro. Peter, how are you, my friend? 
You know, I am I'm great. We just had the uh, the book launch this week uh, for Taking Back Trump's America. And for me, sir, it's a mission, not just a book. Trump's America is a world uh, that I lived in for four years in the White House where we had economic prosperity, no inflation, low mortgage rates, and we kept Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran at bay. Uh, and life was good for the American people. And uh, it didn't take uh, but a heartbeat for Joe Biden to, to um, destroy that. And so the Taking Back Trump's America book really is the blueprint and battle cry for the Make America Great Again movement to really take back uh, what was, in my judgment, stolen from us um, and restore peace, prosperity, uh, and order to this world. Yeah, and I can smell the desperation. I mean, the way they're going after Trump and the way they're going after you and Steve Bannon and so many others that worked with Trump during the administration, it shows to me that they're a bit desperate to make sure you guys don't remain in power. Well, first and foremost, to me, it's a sign of authoritarian fascism. I mean, look, you remember the old uh, saying about Mussolini, like, well, he he made the trains run on time. So that was kind of justification for his fascism in the 30s. Problem is, (laughs) <laughs> that uh, Biden is doing everything wrong. I mean, he, everything wrong. He's taken uh, a beautiful economy um, and turned it on its hair. He's taken strategic energy dominance in America as an American, uh, America free of en- energy imports, and he screwed that up. Uh, he put the uh, China and Russia genies out of, out of the bottle. And they're creating havoc worldwide. And so um, in terms of how we take back Trump's America, I think one of the most important things over the next 50 or so days is to focus like a laser beam on these November elections. There's a great story in the Taking Back Trump's America book about how in 2018 um, President Trump got some very bad advice from some lunkheads in the West Wing uh, to focus too much on the Senate races in the 2018 cycle, not enough on the House. And Pelosi winds up sneaking in, winning the gavel. We could have kept the House in 2018. We could have done that. But since 2018, Pelosi has made life miserable for Donald Trump uh, through uh, the weaponization of Congress's investigatory powers in an unconstitutional way and just through two bogus impeachment trials, and now what they're trying to do, Pelosi and Benny Thompson and Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin, they're trying to build a phony criminal case against Trump for the express purpose of stopping him from winning the 2024 election. So that's why I say winning in 2024 begins with a big win for Trump Republicanism in 2022. Get the House, get the Senate get some hearings going in January, get to the bottom of just what the hell the FBI and the Justice Department and, uh, and Capitol Hill are doing, and if they're doing it in a collusive manner, because it sure looks like that from the outside. And by the way, those bastards put me in leg irons. Unbelievable. Yeah, if you don't mind, talk about the process that you've gone through and some of what they've done to you over the last few months. Well, it's certainly not over for me. Um, one of the tactics the Democrats have used uh, with the people closest to Donald Trump is is to ensnare them in, in phony law problems 
um, and then drain us dry with legal fees. I mean, I, I've been charged with a misdemeanor, which could, albeit one that could put me in prison, but I'm already out of pocket uh, costs of close to a half a million dollars. Wow. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a wealthy man. That's not how I roll. I'm just a, a blue-collar, middle-class kind of guy who grew up and got to be a professor. And, <clears throat> you know, it's like I'm mean, trying to enjoy my, my retirement, such as it is, <laughs> and they're taking a half a million dollars. Uh, it's going to be a million by the time it rolls around. You know, people have been very generous helping with my legal defense fund, but it's ironic that my Taking Back Trump's America book has become part of my legal defense fund because whatever royalties I earn there um, are likely going to have to be spent um, to, to mount my legal challenge. But, but no woe is me here. I'm focused on Taking Back Trump's America. I'm focused on the November election and focused um, on taking, for me, first and foremost, got to get the House back. Yeah. Given the way they've been, been abusing their investigatory powers. So I would say to your listeners, it's like get involved um, in, in what we call toss-up races, races which are close um, around the country where the Republican has a good chance of winning. One of my favorite races is um, Iowa District 3, right? It's Zach Nunn, the Republican. He's going against this woman named Cindy Axney. I say Axe the Axney. Now, you don't live in Iowa, so what? It's like get on the Internet and help Zach Nunn out. Bo Hines in North Carolina, another one. Joe Kent in the state of Washington. Bruce Poliquin, uh, Maine 2, uh, Maine District 2. These, Each of those races could be the one that determines whether or not Pelosi holds on to the gavel or we rip it from her cold hands. And, and you know what I prefer. Yeah, we're talking with Peter Navarro, author of the new book, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How It Will Win It Back. Talk about the importance, you did a little bit already, about the midterm elections and not only winning as Republicans, but winning as Trump-focused Republicans. Because if Trump does run again, how essential is it to actually work with our own party as opposed to sabotaging us like we did back in 2017? Well, I think it's more like get them the hell out rather than get along. <laughs> you, can't trust, you can't trust the rhinos. You can't trust Mitch McConnell. There's some great stories in the Taking Back Trump's America book that really shine a, a bright light on the treachery uh, of Mitch McConnell. And, you know, one of the one of the big mistakes we made early on, which was the pure rhino-induced mistake from McConnell and, and then Speaker Paul Ryan, um, was to front load uh, our effort trying to get uh, Obamacare repealed. And it's like, when they started talking about that, I'm in the White House and go, huh? Yeah. What are you talking about? That's like, that's like, that's going to kill us. That killed Hillary Clinton. Let's focus on doing what we said we were going to do. Shut the border, tough on China trade policy, cut taxes, cut regulation. That's our agenda. What are we talking about health care for? We didn't campaign on that. <laughs> but that was a rhino-induced uh, failure, and it, it cost us. It, it slowed down our momentum, but it wasn't a, an accident. The rhino Mitch McConnell agenda was stopping us. And one of the stories I tell in the Taking Back Trump's America book is how, well, McConnell gave us a bunch of judges. It's good for him. Um, he never allowed us to get the staffing, the high-level staffing, in the, in the swamp bureaucracies. 
Sure. Because they, they have to be Senate approved. And he actually got in bed with Chuck Schumer, slow walked a lot of that. So we were never able to properly drain the swamp. So in 2024, win that race. And, and I love what the boss is doing now. He got very actively involved in a lot of these um, congressional and Senate races. Trump endorsed candidates. And he's building the party from, from, the, from the bottom up. And uh, eventually uh, he'll purge that party of, uh, of the rhino wing. Boy, only imagine if we could get rid of that rhino side of the Republican aisle. I know that you're a busy guy. we got just a couple of minutes left here, Peter. But talk about the difference, in your opinion, between the re-election in 2020 and a 2024 race if Donald Trump ends up and when he starts running again. Obviously, the Democrats, the establishment as a whole, threw everything they had at him to lie, to cheat, to steal the election, to fraud it out, however possible, to make sure he wasn't in. How are they going to try that again this time, and are we prepared for it, and can we overcome that if Trump ends up running again? Well, there's uh, there's three governor's races that, that are going to help answer that question. Kerry uh, Lake in Arizona, Trump endorsed. Tudor Dixon in Michigan, Trump endorsed, and Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, Trump endorsed. All three of those individuals have pledged to get to the bottom of the election fraud that happened in those three states. And what's got to happen here is it's the one fall, they all fall. We've got to be able to break this dam. The rhinos and the courts have prevented us from getting a legal counting of the votes. Merrick Garland, we were on our way in Arizona to to doing that, and Merrick Garland threatened everybody with a felony if they try to do that. But I think these elections for governor and also the secretary of state in those states on the down ballot could really help that. But at the end of the day, if we get back control of the House and Senate in 2023, we can begin the kind of investigations that are necessary to find out what happened on November 3rd and set this right. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, um, it, unless unless somebody um, is, is infirm, sick, uh, elderly, they shouldn't be voting absentee, okay? There's just too much room for fraud with the absentee ballots. Um, and I think a Republican Congress would take steps to moving back towards what used to be the norm. There it is. That was Peter Navarro. Right here on The Voice Reason, we appreciate his time. We'll get him back on again soon. Author of the new book, Taking Back Trump's America, talking about some midterm elections. Interesting perspective, and I love the direction he went with that. Let's break that down when we come back here to wrap up the show today for a midweek celebration on a Wednesday here on The Voice Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Boy, I love having, for those that don't know, I based out of Wichita, Kansas, we have a major window here in our radio studio where I can see, and it's nice. We're in town, but yet we have kind of a nice little crick. My wife gets so mad at me when I say that. It's a crick. It is not a creek. It is a crick. C-R-I-K. Crick. There's a little crick that runs down here with some trees and some vegetation. Almost looks like we're in the woods. Almost. On very frequent semi-occasion, we have birds that run into this window. It's a massive window right here by the studio when it makes me jump. And luckily, it didn't happen while we were on the air, but it happened while during the commercial break. It made me jump. 
a red cardinal, really pretty bird, was sitting there. It hit the window. Luckily, it didn't harm itself. And then it flew over to the tree and was just sitting there. Now, I know that that's some kind of cool significance. So I was sitting there watching it. And then all of a sudden, another massive bluebird just shot right past the window. Didn't hit it, but just flew right by. Telling you, there's a war of the birds going on out there. So uh, beware if you're out and about driving around wherever you may be in the country. You never know. It's the attack of the birds, man. We're not going to see a red dawn. We're going to see a vicious attack of the birds. That used to be the natural predator, wasn't it, when the pterodactyls were out there, you know, swooping down, picking up things on the ground? Anyways, welcome back in. All right, last couple of minutes here on the program. Peter Navarro, we appreciate his time very much. At the very end of that interview, I asked him, with the left-wing assault that happened on Donald Trump on the presidential election, now believe it, don't believe it, think it's fraud, don't believe it's fraud, whatever your views are of the 2020 presidential election, that's up to you. Regardless, you have to admit that the Democrats didn't hold anything back. They lied through their teeth. They impeached him twice, um irresponsibly because what they said they impeached him for was nothing that he actually did. He was not part of the quote unquote insurrection on January 6th. He did not collude with Russia. All those are fabricated. We know they're fabricated. The lies are very evident. We have the truth and the facts on our side, but yet they still impeached him. They lied through their teeth during the first presidential election to make Hispanics believe that Donald Trump was this evil, racist, horrible human being. And that came out as untrue. The allegations against the two impeachments that went against Donald Trump also have now come out to become untrue while they still hold on to that stuff and grasp it. So I asked Peter, if that is the case, what's going to make them not do that again? What's going to make them actually not lie, not fraud, not steal, not cheat, not lie in the presidential election, which you're just literally, you know, picking every piece of the morality level that Democrats have. So, you know, that's always going to happen. I take that back. It's politicians across the board. Don't say that Republicans are any cleaner in many cases. But the Democrats especially went after Trump that particularly uh, against him in that uh, in these races. So how do we know that if Donald Trump does choose to run again or even Trump endorsed candidates in the midterm election here that they're not going to pull the same card by just blatant lying through their teeth? And his answer was so simple, yet it's something that we overlook so much. And we try to focus on this issue here on this program is that you have to remember at the local levels, which is what this show's about, we may be trying to go national, we may be in multiple markets, we're on streaming online all over the place, all over the world. We have downloads in all 50 states with our podcast. While we're growing in that sense, we focus on being the catalyst of change politically in your own community, having that local activism. And what many forget and Democrats have no clue about is the local grassroots campaigning and the grassroots activism. Under Barack Obama, he destroyed the Democrat Party because he never invested at the statewide parties. He never invested in the county parties. He never invested at the local levels. It was all the top tier down, which is what Democrats have been pushing more and more and more as they've gone on. The centralization of the DNC and the power in Washington and to hell with the state and to hell with what the local communities are doing. That's why Republicans still run the vast majority of governorships across this nation. That's why the Republicans have three-quarters of the state legislatures across the entire nation, state by state, is because Republicans, for now, are still the best at the grassroots campaigning and the grassroots movements at the local level and becoming local activists. We're the best at it. We know that. I know that. As a campaign manager for a local state representative here in Kansas, I know that. I've been out knocking on doors for the last couple of nights, walking miles in the 100-degree heat. I know that. We don't see the Democrats doing that. We're doing that. 
We're knocking on doors. We're talking to people. We're the ones making the difference, letting people know that we're out there. We're the ones shaking hands and showing that we're not part of the elite cloud uh, crowd, but we're the ones that are the Joe Schmo average ones, just like every voter out there, every worker coming home from work right now. We're just like you. And that's why Republicans work and do well at the local levels and on the statewide levels. Democrats haven't figured that out yet. You want to stop the collusion? You want to stop the lies? You want to stop the voter fraud issues? Focus things at the local level and make sure that the elected officials at the city and the county and the statewide levels can be trusted and are running things smoothly. And no matter what they try and throw at the federal level, it's going to go on deaf ears because we have the system running smoothly right here on our front. And with that... He hit it spot on. That does it for us today. Back at it tomorrow again. I think we have Dick Morris tomorrow from Newsmax. We'll talk with him. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.